After the drop, Petrangelo shoots, save, and a rebound, score! Chandler Stevenson finds the puck in the slot, pots the rebound, and the Knights are back in the lead, 3-2. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Without it, oh, and a tip puck and a shot, they score! Michael Amadio, the Knights win it in overtime, 5-4 Vegas! A double overtime victory for the Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace hanging out at Buffalo Wild Wings, Eastern in St. Rose. Darren Millard back inside Studio 31 and Chris Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215 home of Duff. Let's kick off a best of five series in this second round set between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers have the home ice edge for the next two games before it goes into a uh, 1-1-1 uh, to finish things off. Should it go the distance? So right now the teams are tied up at one uh, to kick off uh, things in two very different games. Uh, the Golden Knights played a very solid opener and were the better team. Lauren Bressois said it wasn't as close as the score indicated in game number two. Uh, penalty trouble plagued the Golden Knights early on, and uh, Edmonton filled the net courtesy of their power play and special teams and rode to a convincing victory. What happens tonight? What are the two feelings in and around the teams? Uh, we've got a half-hour show in the VGK Insider program on Fox Sports Las Vegas, and then we'll turn things over to Ryan Wallace for the pregame show uh, leading up to Game 3, and it's a 5.30-ish start uh, this afternoon, which will follow, by the way, some significant league happenings mm-hmm. with the NHL Draft Lottery, which will take place in just a little bit. The ping-pong balls will be rattling around any moment now. Now, I've, I've done this show. I've hosted that show uh, on numerous occasions. There's there's a, a, an excitement in and around it mm-hmm. every year. It's a little different when you've got a, a marquee talent. I was part of the Connor McDavid show. I was part of the Austin Matthews show. Uh, it takes it up uh, nine notches. I remember being in a room with about 30 other people thinking, I, I, I'm one of 35 people in the world that no Austin Matthews is going to be uh, a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we're approaching that uh, that moment where uh, there's going to be a, a lucky number of uh, folks who are going to be one of the few in the world that are aware that Connor Bedard is going to be a member of X. 11 teams have an opportunity at that first overall pick. Uh, Vancouver on the low end, Columbus on the high end when it comes to the odds. So that goes along with Game 3 tonight in the National Hockey League between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers. Both significant events, uh, uh, both uh, near to our focus and uh, from 30,000 feet. Yeah, it'll be real interesting to to see where the ping pong balls lie for one team in particular, whether or not they... uh, uh, which team wins Connor Bedard is going to be massive. Like that is a player that can turn things around for an organization, for a franchise. So that's certainly going to be front of mind for many in the league. Um, and, you know, for Golden Knights fans, you have an opportunity to go up two games to one over the Edmonton Oilers and win a, a game up in Edmonton and try to find some of the magic and some of the game plan that you had in game number one. If anything, 
did the weekend not show you how fragile things can be from game to game in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Everybody from a Golden Knights side would have left T-Mobile Arena or watched that game uh, on on Saturday and went, oh, that's tough. How, how do you get back from that? And it doesn't linger, but that's part of the baggage that you'll take on the short term. Then you turn around and you watch the action yesterday, mm-hmm. and you see a Carolina Hurricane team that's been very efficient in the Stanley Cup playoffs allow eight goals to the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. You watch the Dallas Stars team that uh, was battling for first place in the conference for most of the season surrender a seventh spot to a second-year franchise in, in the Seattle Kraken. And there's no way, Brian McCormick said it best, there's no way that New Jersey uh, is 8-4 better than the Carolina Hurricanes. There's no way that Seattle is 7-2 uh, up on the uh, Dallas Stars uh, game after game after game. Those are one-offs. So uh, I think it helps the the mentality of everything Vegas going into game three to know that this is happening all over the league. I mean, bad games from time to time happen. They, they happen in the regular season. They happen in the postseason. And I think what we've seen out of the Golden Knights all year long is that when they have had a game that was not up to their standards, when they have had games that have been a little bit rougher, they have usually responded in kind with a really good effort the next night. So uh, I think your point's well taken in that we've seen a lot of high-scoring affairs in round number two, and some a little bit more surprising than the other. In, in terms of the Seattle Kraken, I said it flat out. I didn't think that they'd be able to score enough on Jake Ottinger. Three games in, they've put up five in game one and seven in game number three. So um, there are wild things happening right now. Pucks are, are going in for certain players and certain teams. And I think for the Golden Knights, you got to just take game two, put it away, and and find a way to get back to, to what made you successful against this Oilers team in game one. Part of it is is you, you do have to flush it one game, whether you win the game or whether you lose the game. But if you look at it cumulatively, the first two games, Vegas and Edmonton, yeah. as lopsided as game two was, it's only a 9-7 goal differential. Like nine, two goals uh, separate the two, uh, nine for, for Edmonton and, and mm-hmm. seven for Vegas. So, I mean, that uh, I think that there's there's something to be said there uh, that uh, that both teams have, have controlled the play. I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, given what we saw from a turnaround in the Winnipeg series, from the opener where... That was uh, a game in which the Golden Knights didn't have a lot of emotion. And that carried into the, the, the first period of Game 2. And then they found it. They found that spark. Alex Petrangelo and, uh, and the likes getting emotionally involved. Well, that emotion was, was there at the end of Game 2 the other night against the Oilers. That's already been established. If you can keep some of that with the discipline uh, obviously being super important as well. But if, if you've got that emotionally engaged roster, then I think you're, you're already ahead of the, the game going into the first period tonight. And, and I'm excited to see both the response at some point, take a number uh, on, on Evander Kane. And we knew that he would be a factor at some point in this series, maybe took a game longer than, than I thought, but uh, we knew that there, there would be a prevalence and a presence uh, with him, but, uh, but also with you, with your game execution, uh, the, the, the four goals 
was really disappointing in the first period of game two against yeah. the Oilers. But just as subpar was only managing four shots on goal. Uh, you got to you got to equal those parts out. You can't just defend uh, that that superstar lineup. You got to be able to create some chances and make life a whole lot more interesting on Stuart Skinner. And when you make life interesting on Stuart Skinner, it immediately balances out the game. And that's what I'm expecting tonight. I think there's certainly going to be a pushback, a response of sorts from the Golden Knights from a physical standpoint. I don't know that I'm expecting it to be over over the top with scrums or anything like that. I expect the Golden Knights to come out, and I expect them to be physical and, and finish off some of their checks, finish off some of those hits, not shy away from from you know finding a way to impose some of that physicality on the Edmonton Oilers and specifically McDavid and Drysaddle, I think that it, you know you want to make sure that those two players are very much aware that you're there and that you're going to finish your checks on them. From that perspective, though, like I, I think for the Golden Knights, like you you can find some solace through two games that you have held the Oilers to just three even strength goals, right? Like that's where we were talking about the Golden Knights having the edge in this series, five on five. That these games are going to be played predominantly at 5-on-5 five five if the Golden Knights are disciplined, and I expect them to be more disciplined in this game tonight. And if that's the case, I don't feel like the Oilers have done anything special at 5-on-5 five five that the Golden Knights should be worried about. They've got to go out there, and they've got to execute, and they've got to, as you said, Darren, make life more difficult on Stuart Skinner. You have to, have to stay out of the penalty box. It, the, the, for, like, it sounds easy, and it's logical, and it's the number one game plan for Bruce Cassidy. But until you you do that effectively for a stretch of time, now game one you, you stayed out uh, pretty good. It was it was one penalty per period. That that's yeah. fine. That that is absolutely right in the wheelhouse of your objective. And then you work on on killing the penalties. Uh, different story in game two where the game got out of hand and and uh, you you lost uh, a, a lot of the flow uh, of the game. But when it comes to special teams, half was was what we wanted, uh, what we were looking at. Half to sixty-five percent. Uh, uh, there's a, so I'll give us a, a fifteen percent window uh, of of where the Golden Knights uh, want to be. If if Vegas uh, scores uh, five special team goals, uh, they need to hold uh, the Edmonton Oilers to ten. Uh, that that that's sort of the the window, the area that that we're looking at. Well. Right now, Vegas has two on special teams, and the uh, Edmonton Oilers uh, ha- have nine uh, because they, with the shorthanded goal. So that, that, that's got to be cleaned up uh, a, a lot. Five on five is great, but it has to go in concert with the special teams because, quite honestly, the special teams can decide the series on its own no matter what happens five on five. Sure, you got the advantage, uh, and I absolutely concur with you that there is an edge five on five as much as Jay Woodcroft has has been trying to spin it that uh, that the Edmonton Oilers are, are just as good five on five Edmonton uh, has its strength on the, on the special teams Vegas has its uh, on on the uh, on five on five and even strength uh, if Vegas is going to win they have to limit the other side the damage on the other side and then really take advantage of it the same as Edmonton right now is feasting on his power play and they've been okay five on five that that that's all right for them what those numbers are, are doing right now uh, in, in the way things are mixing so there's got to be an adjustment uh, for things it, I, I will say I mentioned it during the LA series mm-hmm. how much working over and managing the officials Jay Woodcroft was doing in yeah. his media briefing yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and he was talking against the LA Kings, like, hey, just because we've got the best power play in the world doesn't mean we should be punished. We still want to get our, our bad advantages. We don't feel like we're getting enough power plays as as what we deserve. Uh, hence that the officials know how deadly the power play is, and they're not trying not to uh, uh, skew the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's essentially what Jay Woodcroft uh, ha- has been saying. Well, he's been, he's been equally as aggressive in those press conferences, in working over the series and and putting a spin on it, and it's nothing new. Uh, I've seen it a thousand times, but uh, it's it's very obvious uh, when you pay attention to to Jay Woodcroft and the Edmonton Oilers how he's trying to influence things as as it goes along. They, they, their power play is exceptional, and he's still advocating for more. Uh, out of that because he knows how effective it can be and it can make uh, quick work of the series if he gets the ear of the official. And what's he want, what he wants is he wants the standard called to the tightest possible level. Sure. And, and if he gets that, it's going to make it difficult for the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas will be on the other side saying, hey, uh, enough with the ticky-tack. It's, it's, it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, yeah. Braden McNabb hits a guy in, into the net. He didn't cross-check him. You called cross-check. That's not a cross-check. If the net's not there, there's no penalty. Uh, so, so why why would that be? I'm talking about the play in the first period as an example uh, of game number two. So, uh, much different approach. One is way more public, uh, which is fine. Uh, I've I've watched it a thousand times, so it's it's cool. I know exactly what's going on. One's one's a lot more private. Yeah, um, I I have my feelings about which one I which method I prefer but I mean, well, it does it doesn't really matter though like it's, I, but I, as long as you know as long as you know what, what what's happening it's, no, I mean, it's, it's a, good theater from Jay Woodcroft quite honestly and, and no. it's good theater from from uh, Scotty Bowman when he used to do it and and I love to hear John Tortorella uh, when he did it uh, I've heard uh, coaches uh, that uh, Gerard Glant uh, did it uh, back in back in his time with Vegas it I we know what it is it's just very Different approaches, and not, I'm not saying one is right, one right. is wrong. There's a reason why a coach, either. why a coach does it publicly, is because it can have an effect on the noise on the series, and uh, it's just uh, it's two totally different styles. Yeah, I, I wasn't saying one is one is bad and one isn't, or I said that personally. I, I have my own feelings about which one I prefer. All that to say. Jay Woodcroft has, has kind of won that battle over the first two games, right? The Edmonton Oilers are averaging five power plays a game, and if you average five power plays a game and you're cliff- clicking at 56% throughout the playoffs, you're going to start with essentially two and a half goals on the board already. So that's really the, the thing for the Golden Knights is you go into this game, you've got to find a way to cut down on the amount of penalties that you take. And more specifically, I think you have to get out of the first five, seven, eight, ten minutes in this game without taking a penalty. You cannot allow the Oilers' power play to dictate how the game starts. Early on, get through 10 minutes. Get through 15 minutes. Survive the first period without giving Edmonton added momentum to their game. That crowd is extreme. It's right there with what we witnessed in Winnipeg at Rogers Place. They're going to be hyped up. It's pandemonium. They feel like they solved the Golden Knights in Game 2, and they should roll. Uh, it's going to, and both teams know how, how close this series uh, sets up and, and should uh, play out. But uh, the, the opinion uh, of what is happening in this series is that the Edmonton Oilers had an edge. Now, 
Is that a lot different? Can you dispute that? Well, after game number one, you guys, Vegas went from being a home underdog in the series mm-hmm. to the Stanley Cup favorite at yep. the window yep. for, for betters. There was an equal significant reaction by the Golden Knights fans and its supporters after game number one as what we're witnessing from, from the Oilers and, and their uh, supporters. It's up to Vegas to go out and show that that was a, a one-off. Part of that will be, uh, sure, you want the great start, uh, which, which you did get in the, in the final game against Winnipeg, and you put that game essentially away early. But you really got to find a flow to the game. And that was difficult in game number one, and it was impossible in game number two. I will say I, I give Bruce Cassidy a lot of credit here. And, and I haven't had a chance to talk to Bruce, but I've gone through the actions and, and possibilities and motivation for the decision one way or the other. But he's down 4 nothing after the first period of game two. And I'm sure you had the conversation. Uh, everybody in Section 117 to Section 104 to Section 20 had the same conversation. Are you expecting a goalie change? Probably. Mm-hmm. He kept Lauren Bressois in, and my uh, parsing of it mm-hmm. is there's so many goals being scored in this postseason and, and comebacks being waged and being played out. That if you get one on Stuart Skinner, who was really insignificant in Game 2, he, he got better as Game 1 went on, but didn't play a role in, in game, game 2. But if you could have got one and then another with, with the crowd going, maybe you get uh, lightning in a bottle and you've got your starter in and you keep Lauren Bressois in to, to help you build on that victory. I think that was a lot of what went into it. And we saw it play out uh, in, in equally uh, similar fashion last night in, in uh, Dallas and uh, Seattle. Dallas was down big. They kept Ottinger in for uh, for two periods, uh, thinking w- if they can come back. So uh, I, I think this, the starting goaltender has a lot more rope to play with in these playoffs uh, than we've seen in, in other years. Yeah, the view that I had on it um, was that you – I know you're down 4 nothing, but you've got 40 minutes to kind of chip away at this, right? And I, I think you give your, your starting goaltender in Lorraine Brossois an opportunity to see what could happen if you chip in a goal or two and you, try, you start to get the crowd back into it and you push the Edmonton Oilers on the heels. If there was a pushback that was, that was going to get the Golden Knights in the game, I think you wanted to give your starter every opportunity to be the guy in net when that happened. And when the Edmonton Oilers put up another goal in the second period, it was the, the perfect opportunity to get some game action for Aiden Hill in the third period and a little bit of rest for Lorraine Brossois. Highly unusual. Highly unusual that your starter comes out for the second period yeah. in years past. They, like almost little to no chance mm-hmm. that it happens in years past. The amount of goals being scored uh, gives you a, a little bit more uh, of an avenue, an option. Uh, to go down that road. Uh, it looks like the lineup's going to stay the same tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, that's giving your players the chance to to answer back. And there's a couple players that, that Vegas, quite frankly, could use some, some uh, offense out of. And I, I'll, I'll look at it half full. Uh, the fact that uh, Marshall and Riley Smith haven't connected yet and you're 1-1 in the second round, that's good. Brian McCormick says it's got to happen at some point, and he's right. 
like it, it's good that they can still get hot and they can still they can start contri- contributing and you've won a series and you're you're a game down uh, or a game uh, uh, with a victory under your belt in in the second round but uh, but those those two players uh, in particular from a veteran standpoint uh, have to start complimenting uh, the the Mark Stones and the Chandler Stevenson and Jack Eichel uh, uh, to an extent uh, in the series along with the depth uh, to get it going. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're looking at uh, this as a game for Jonathan Marchessault to, to really find a way to, to be impactful, right? And he's had a, a number of chances. He's been in and around a lot of good looks for the Vegas Golden Knights. He's just been unable to bury one when it matters. So I kind of agree with Brian, and I, I don't see the situation where the Golden Knights are going to go through an entire second round and you're going to get nothing in terms of goal production out of Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault. So you know it's coming the, the good news for the Golden Knights is you, you can you can bank on that because of what they've done throughout their careers. Now they've just got to go out there and get that first one because, as we've seen from Jonathan Marshall so and Riley Smith at various times, they can be pretty streaky. You get yeah. one, you might get a couple, you might get three or four, and all of a sudden things change on, on a dime. No, no, you get one, you get five. It's it's a it's a yeah. really big bow foes uh sale that that's that's going on with those two players and the runs that they can go on and just put you on their back and away you go now there's there's positives that uh, that we've seen some some good play out of jack eichel uh there's some real positives that i liked uh, stretches of the game from michael amadio i know his ice time got curtailed uh in in game number two uh william carlson i like so uh line mates barbershev has been has been really good uh in the stanley cup playoffs you're, you're getting you're getting Good play from the two other line mates for both Marcia So and Riley Smith. Getting them involved takes it up uh, another level, and so that will be something to keep an eye on uh, tonight. Now, the the Holy Vander Kane situation that's uh, that's a separate element. You, you want to take a number there. Uh, nobody was happy with what happened at the end of the second period. I left actually Aiden Hill jumping in uh, in the third it's period uh, when, when well he went in, when, he, when he pushed him. Uh, it's perfectly perfectly fine. Didn't do anything uh, goofy. Pushed him. Uh, you, you support your teammate. Uh, I love that. But this is going to be where uh, Evander loves to chirp. He he's got strong history with uh, a lot of these Golden Knights going back to uh, year number one. Uh, you could see that in the chirping back and forth with Will Carrier in, in the penalty box. Uh, it's composure is going to be – you're going to be challenged. Like, mm-hmm. Kids push us. They, we, they, they can gaslight us at times with, with their different actions. And as parents, it's up to us to find a way to control that. Uh, I think it's, it's really hard in, in going to be in this case uh, if Evander Kane goes out and does what I expected Evander Kane to do in game one and follow through and, and actually accomplish in game two. Uh, he, he can knock you off your focus in, in a real hurry. If this game is close... I don't expect anything to happen. Keegan Colasar is one of the greatest at being able to manage his emotions mm-hmm. and turn uh, the other cheek and go about his business. That's why it, when he broke a stick uh, going down the hallway uh, in, in game two, it was so eye-catching because yeah. that, that never happens out of Keegan. Uh, he is, like Lauren Bressois, very stoic, very uh, even keel. Uh, I, I love the fact that it's him and, and that seems to have this rivalry after uh, game two with Evander Kane. Uh, that will be a, a, a 
challenge to see. And Kane plays up the lineup, so he's gonna he's gonna see a, a large look uh, at the at the Golden Knights roster. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I can't wait for game number three. I think it's gonna be. Uh, a really even game. I think that the Golden Knights are going to have a, a, a much more physical edge to their game. And, you know, as much as you're looking about or, or thinking about taking a number on Evander Kane, um, I think for the Golden Knights, the physicality needs to be directed at uh, the Connor McDavid's and the Leon Dreisaitl's make them understand it's not going to be an easy series. Yeah, I, I don't think you can do it, to be quite honest. I just don't think it's an effective game plan to try and, and be overly physical out, on them. I'm not saying run out of your yeah, way. I'm saying that's just That's checks. the challenge, right? It's yep. hard to finish checks when you can't can't catch them. He, like Patrick Kane has been hit like six times in his career uh, and he, he's played. But uh, controlled aggression. Very controlled. We'll see what happens. Uh, the pregame show with Ryan Wallace coming up. A full hour. The draft lottery. We're keeping an eye on that as we work our way towards game three of Vegas and Edmonton.